welcome to another episode of the Wednesday Poll List. My name is Lex, and each week, me and my buddy Murph are going to get together and talk about something nerdy. Let's jump right in. All right, and we are live. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back. Uh, I'm your host, Lex, and Murph isn't here this week, but it's not his fault. Um, I went out of town for Thanksgiving break, and then I had to, you know, volunteered downtown this weekend, and then I had to work. It was just a lot, and he was ready, willing to go, but by the time I got home every night, I was just beat. And so, uh, yeah, I just passed out, and I'm barely getting to this. So, yeah, you just got me today, and today's going to be a lot of uh, information. We have, uh, I'm going to keep the news very short, because, like I said, I'm going over a lot of the stuff. I'm going to keep it raw, uncut. I'm not going to edit this one. I'm just going to record it and drop it. So, uh, good luck. I hope I don't drop the ball too much. But we have Crisis on Infinite Earths coming out this weekend, December 8th, if you're listening to this in the future. And so I kind of wanted to do a recap over all the shows and kind of what we know going into this weekend, what you need to know if you wanted to watch it, but you didn't want to watch, you know, eight seasons of one show, six seasons of another show, you know, multiple seasons. We're going to catch you up, be your one-stop shop for it. But I would not, I mean, today, oh, also this morning, uh, super early, like three o'clock in the morning, they dropped the Black Widow trailer. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that for a second. And um, yeah, that's all I got. So uh, welcome to the show. And let's jump right in. All right, so let's talk about that Black Widow trailer. It's pretty cool. It dropped this morning. I saw it when I first woke up, and it, um, I don't know. It seems really cool. I'll say that. A lot of action. Uh, Let's just go over what it was. On the run, after aiding Steve Rogers, Natasha finds herself on her own. Her past is catching up to her. I believe she goes to Budapest, where uh, I guess it's her home. I'm just assuming. She faces off against Yelena Belova. The two fight. They're evenly matched, mirroring each other's movements. Eventually, they come to a truce, and Yelena refers to Natasha as her sister, or Natasha refers to Yelena as her sister. I don't remember. The rest of the trailer is just all action, which is pretty cool. Uh, it's The style of it is closer to Winter Soldier, and if you know me, that's my favorite Marvel movie. So uh, I'm pretty excited about that. At one point, Natasha, Yelena, and David Harbour's character, the Red Guardian, share a meal together with... Um, Melina, I believe is her name, uh, with the Red Guardian calling them family. So I'm really interested in, okay, so we know the time frame of this is after Civil War, because, spoiler alert, she's dead in the present, Marvel present time, which I think is the year 2022. Like, if any of this is wrong, hit me up, let me know, I will gladly redact any of it, um... Yeah, so we know she's dead, so this one's set in the past. I don't know how I feel about this movie. We know that, I mean, it's cool. It's cool to get like a standalone, kind of grounded movie. Um, lots of cool characters, smaller MCU ca- or smaller Marvel characters that we otherwise wouldn't really get to see. So yeah, it's it seems pretty cool. And some of the characters in there that, I, that I'm mentioning, uh, the Red Guardian, So the Red Guardian is an identity that was created as the Soviet equivalent to Captain America, although its use has continued after the fall of the Soviet Union. David Harbour, his Red Guardian character is Alexei Shostakov. Now, I'm going to butcher all these names, but I think it's Alexei Shostakov, who was the second version of the Red Guardian. Um, He was born in Moscow, and unlike, I don't know, I don't really know exactly how they're going to do it in the movie, because it seemed like he was more of a father role at the table, but in the comic books, he was the husband of Natasha Romanoff. Both he and his wife became agents of the Soviets, the later as the Black Widow, while the former became the test pilot and KGB agent, and then trained as the Soviet counterpart to Captain America, known as the Red Guardian. So it's interesting to see... That he's in this, but again, he seems like he's more of a father role. 
and uh, Black Widow and Black Widow 2 are uh, daughters. So we'll see. We'll see if any of them are even related or they just kind of became a family after escape after you know they got out of the red room or I don't even know. We'll see. It's interesting. Obviously they're not going to take it from the book because a lot of these characters debuted at different times. Stories were retcons and and it's just different now. So we'll see. Yeah, like I'm pretty sure he dies and he gets replaced with the LMD and uh, it's comic book stuff. It's no telling how they're going to do it. But again, if it's going to be anything like the Winter Soldier, I'm in 100%. Again, this movie, I probably didn't even mention this movie comes out May 1st, 2020. So I thought it was February for some reason. I don't know. What, what comes out in February? Something comes out in February. I don't know. We'll have to look. We'll look that up. Um, yeah, who, who else is in there? Melina Vostokov. I mentioned her a second ago. She is known as the Iron Maiden, who was originally an agent of the Russian government. She was forced to live in the shadow of the legendary Black Widow. This caused her to develop a deep hatred for the Widow. Eventually, she left the service of Russia and became a freelance assassin and mercenary. And so in the trailer, she seems like she's a kind of a mother role, I would assume. That's what it looks like. And I'm interested to see how, how that plays out. If they'll keep it, if she even will be called the Iron Maiden or anything like that. So um, next up, we got Yelena Belova. So she's the second modern era character to use the name Black Widow. And this is in the comic books, of course. All of these a reference to the comic books. Uh, she first appears in Inhumans number 5 in March 1999. She was trained as a spy and assassin in the Red Room. Originally, she was a foe of Natasha Romanoff. Uh, she was sent to kill her, but then they become allies. She was also a member of S.H.I.E.L.D., Vanguard, and HYDRA, who changed her into a version of Super Adaptoid. As a Super Adaptoid, she was a member of the High Council of AIM. She since reverted back to her original codename, of Black Widow in 2017, but that's all I really know about the character. I don't really know what she's been up to the past few years. So if you do, hit me up, let me know. Uh, the villain in the trailer, which we've known for a while, is Taskmaster, which is pretty cool. I'm not a big fan of his suit yet, but uh, hopefully they'll have uh, multiple ver- more, you know, multiple suits, which they might not. Crossbones only had the one. Maybe it's only in the movie for a few minutes, but uh, let's see. Taskmaster, his name's Tony Masters. He first appeared briefly in Avengers uh, 195 in May 1980, making his full debut later in the next month in uh, Avengers 196. So he's normally a supervillain, but sometimes he's an antihero and a sleeper agent. Ta- uh, Taskmaster went on to feature in numerous Marvel titles, most notably as a mercenary hired as a training instructor by various criminal organizations. Hydra, AIM, he trains all their grunt soldiers. Um, but, I mean, they're like grunt soldiers, so they can't do exactly what Taskmaster does because they don't have the same abilities. A lot of people just think that he has, you know, photographic memory. But, it, I mean, there's a little bit more to it. He injected himself with the SS something super long in German. I'm not even going to attempt to, uh, to pronounce it. But it's an elaborate modic- modification to of the adrenal steroid cortisol designed to unlock the mind's pot- procedural memory potential. Now, that was really hard to say. The Taskmaster uh, then gained the ability to absorb knowledge instantaneously. This ability, linked with his muscle memory, allows Taskmaster to instantly replicate the physical movement of peak-level humans. Using this, whatever he calls this, photographic reflexes, uh, the Taskmaster is highly skilled in various forms of combat. He's an exceptional martial artist, mimicked Elektra, Iron Fist, and Shang-Chi, He's a skilled sword, swordsman, black knight, silver samurai, swordsman. <laughs> he's deadly accurate uh, with firearms. Or he's deadly accurate just like a marksman. Captain America with a shield, Hawkeye with a bow and arrow, Punisher with uh, firearms, Bullseye with various projectiles. So that's pretty stupid. <laughs> he's got the abilities of all these badass characters. As well as displaying strenuously honed athletic ability like Black Panther or Daredevil. Uh, 
Yeah, and once the Taskmaster has mastered his opponent's physical moments, he can then predict the opponent's next attack, which I've watched, or not watched, I've read fights with him and Captain America where Cap can't beat him because he knows, Cap can't beat him because he knows all of Cap's next moves. The only person capable of negating Taskmaster's abilities is Deadpool, whose manic personality makes him nearly impossible to predict. So that's, Deadpool's like the worst character. <laughs> Uh, one side effect of the primer is a severe declarative memory loss. The more intense the memory, the more it gets blocked out. So there's a quick rundown of the characters that we'll see that we know about. Uh, a little bit of the trailer. If you haven't seen it, you need to go check it out. We've we've shared it online, and it's ever, it's everywhere. I'm sure you've seen it. And uh, let me know what you think of the trailer. If you're excited about the movie, if you uh, are not excited about the movie, what you think? Uh, and we'll be looking forward to that. All right, so let's jump right into today's topic. We're talking about everything you need to know before Crisis on Infinite Earths comes out. I believe it's this weekend, December 8th. It might be Sunday or Monday. I don't know. We got a lot to cover, so we're going to hit it as fast as we can. Ignore any of the things I get wrong, any of the ums, any of the words I say wrong, (laughs) and let's just knock it out. Arrow's probably going to be the uh, longest one because I think it has the most because of the flashbacks it makes it like two different shows so um yeah let's jump in we're gonna do arrow flash supergirl legends of tomorrow and batwoman and then we're gonna talk a little bit about crisis what we know so far and then we're gonna gtfo all right let's get this in and let's do it let's start off with arrow the series follows billionaire playboy oliver queen who has claimed to spent five years shipwrecked on a mysterious island before returning home to Starling City. Season 1. Oliver returns to uh, Starling City and is reunited with his mother, Moira, uh, Sister Thea, his best friend, Tommy, and he rekindles his relationships with everybody. And then he also spends the nights hunting down and killing criminals as the vigilante known as the Hood. He uncovers his best friend's dad, his best friend Tommy, his dad's name is Malcolm, Malcolm Merlin. He uncovers the conspiracy to destroy the Glades, which is basically like the projects of Starling City, and it's become overridden with crime. It's a sad place. <laughs> John Diggle and Felicity Smoke assist Oliver in his nightly crusade. Uh, Oliver also reconnects with his girl, ex-girlfriend Laurel Lance, who is still angry over his role in his sister Sarah's and her sister Sarah's presumed death. While her father, uh, Officer Quentin Lance, suspects Oliver of being the vigilante. Now let's talk about Oliver for a second because uh, he's like a really shady dude <laughs> at first. He's like a douchebag, typical rich douchebag guy. And he takes, so he's dating Laurel. Before I start all this, let's predicate that these shows are superheroes, but they're like soap operas <laughs> with superheroes tied in. I'm not here to tell you that they're good. Anything with superheroes, I typically will watch. So, uh, yeah, I watch them all. Not saying they're good or they're bad. It's just, they're on. Why not? Okay, so yeah, she, he's dating Laurel. And he takes, they like get in a fight or something. And then he takes her sister on this yacht vacation. And like tries to, to sleep with her. What? Like douchebag. And her sister kind of sucks too while we're talking about it. Not that she deserved to die. Thing. Okay, where, where was that? The season features flashbacks, which is a known recurring thing throughout all of the show, to Oliver's first year on the island and how it changed him while trying to stop a mercenary force targeting the Chinese economy. After, be sa- after being saved by the Hood, Roy Harper attempts to find him so he will train him so he can help others. So Roy Harper is a character that comes in and becomes the Red Arrow. That's basically season one. Season two, Oliver has vowed to stop crime without killing criminals using the arrow, <laughs> the name of the show, as his new name to represent that. He's aided by John Felicity Still. Uh, Oliver's vow is tested when he comes under attack from Slade Wilson, which was a pretty good. It's a uh, Manu Bennett. Oh, he did such a good job. The suit sucks. He looked like a bulky hockey player, but he, he was a good uh, actor. 
a man from Oliver's time on the island who resurfaces with a vendetta against him. Oliver grows to accept aspiring vigilante Roy Harper as his protege and receives assistance from Quentin, who knows, obviously, now that he's the arrow. Uh, also, Oliver gains another ally, Sarah Lance. Hey, she's not dead. She survived the ordeal uh, out at sea, which there's more to that. It has to do with, like, the League of Shadows. Well, we might get into that. It's There's a lot of like side stuff in the show. Um, yeah, the show also uh, serves flashbacks of his second year on Lian Yu, which is the island, where he faces a new threat from Dr. Anthony Ivo while, uh, while continuing to struggle, you know, basically surviving uh, alongside Slade and Sarah and the archer Sh- uh, Shadow. I think it's, it's, that's her name. I don't know. And then the origins of his feud with Slade are revealed. He's basically in love with this chick and she dies and he there's like this super drug it clouds his mind and he blames Oliver for her dying. Soap opera, I told you. Like straight up day t- daytime soap. <laughs> in season three, Oliver's company Queen Consolidated is sold to a businessman, scientist, and aspiring hero Ray Palmer. Brandon Routh. Brandon Routh is such a good character in this. I enjoyed him as Superman. He does so well in this show. Uh, he changes the name to Palmer Technologies. He hires Felicity as vice president. He also try, tries to move in, you know, tries to make his move on her. Because Oliver and her have this like weird will they won't they <laughs> throughout the whole show. After Sarah is found uh, murdered, Oliver becomes embroiled in a conflict with Raz al Ghul. He struggles to reconnect with his sister, Thea, who knows that Malcolm is actually her dad. Malcolm's the evil guy from season one. Uh, Laurel sets out to find... to let Laurel sets out to follow Sarah as the Black Canary. Meanwhile, John becomes a father. He struggles as a family man and like a secret agent slash superhero slash bodyguard. And the season features flashbacks to Oliver's third year since he was presumed dead he escaped Lian Yu, but he was forced to work for Argus, uh, which is weird because he went to Hong Kong, but he couldn't go home. Um, Oliver and Tatsu Yamashiro work to stop corrupt General Matthew Shreve from unleashing a pathogen which Raz Agul acquires in the present time. So lots of flashbacks, lots of going back and forth. I'm not, I'm just hitting the bullet points, guys. <laughs> These are just the things you need to know. There's tons of things in between. You, you, this won't catch you. <laughs> I'm sorry. As I go through this, I'm like, there's no way. There, no one's going to have any idea what I'm talking about. Season four. Oliver and Felicity tried to start a new life in a small country, not country town, but a small town called Ivy Town. But they returned to the city, now renamed Star City, when a terrorist group known as Hive uh, kind of makes their mark. Uh, they are led by this guy. His name's Damian Dark. He has, I don't know, he has powers somehow. They're like voodoo powers, kind of. Uh, yeah, they're attacking the city. So Oliver resumes vigilantism, even though he, you know, he was going to quit in uh, season three. And now he's going under the name Green Arrow. <laughs> uh, John discovers that his brother Andy is alive and he's a hive soldier. Theo works with Ollie uh, as Speedy, but she has a violent temper. Uh, Laurel attempts to resurrect Sarah using the Lazarus Pit, and Curtis Holt aids Felicity and the team. He's the nerd. He becomes uh, Mr. Terrific. Cool guy. Um, Oliver's life as a vigilante and Felicity, they're complicated because he also decides to run for mayor, and then he finds out that he has a son named William. <laughs> so, yeah, so, these notes that I'm realizing are going through are like fast forwarding through a lot of stuff <laughs> sorry folks uh, this might not be your one stop shop you might have to make another couple stops um, Laurel dies in a fight with Damien and Oliver discovers uh, a plan that he, they have to detonate nuclear weapons and rule earth remains like they're going to basically destroy the entire earth and you know rule what's being rebuilt the season also features flashbacks to oliver's fourth year since he was presumed dead where amanda waller sends oliver back to land you to infiltrate shadow spire which is kind of like this mystical thing which is weird this season was bad 
Uh, he meets John Constantine, which is cool because that was a good character. And uh, they encounter the the mystical idol thing that Damien Dark uses in the president present day, not president day. Weird. Yeah, that season's bad. If you can't tell by the quick summary, super bad. And we have more seasons of this, folks. There's eight seasons of the Arrow, so hang on. In season five, Oliver trains a group of vigilantes. Rene Ramirez plays Wild Dog. Curtis Holt, we mentioned him before, is Mr. Terrific. Evelyn Sharp, who is Artemis. And Roy Regan, who is Ragman, to join his war on crime following the death of Laurel Lance. And Diggle and Thea's, they quit, you know, after Laurel gets killed. He also recruits, recruits a new Black Canary, former police detective Dean Dinah Drake. Oliver tries, you know, when they introduced her, it was like, okay, well, Laurel's done, and this is going to be like, the, could be, in the comic books, Oliver and Black Canary are married. Even though him and Felicity are hardcore, you know, in a relationship in this, um, like, I think they're married at this point, but they keep introducing this Dinah Drake, they keep bringing Black Canary into it, so, I don't know. Oh, yeah, and Oliver becomes the mayor. <laughs> Somehow. This guy who was a vigilante, uh, it becomes mayor. So he tries to balance still being a vigilante in his new role as mayor, uh, yet is threatened by a mysterious and deadly character named Prometheus. Now, this was probably my favorite bad guy of the show, just because they couldn't keep up with him at all, like they never did, even to the end, who has a connection to Oliver's past. Uh, Oliver is also forced con- to contend uh, with the ally... With Prometheus's ally Black Siren, who is an Earth 2 criminal doppelganger of Laurel. So Laurel's back in this show. She died in the last season, and then she's immediately back in, but she's bad. So this is straight up textbook daytime TV soap opera drama. <laughs> if you couldn't tell, the series features flashbacks from Oliver's fifth year, since he was presumed dead. And he joins the Baratva in Russia. This is like the mob, kind of in Russia. As a part of a plot to assassinate Constantine Kovar, which is different than Constantine that we mentioned earlier, John Constantine. There he meets and is, he meets and is trained by Talia Al Ghul as a hooded archer before re- returning to Lian Yu. And Talia Al Ghul is, if as you guessed, the daughter of Raz Al Ghul, the bad guy from two seasons ago. Sorry, <laughs> in season six, after the explosive battle in Lian Yu. They all—they actually all end up only in you with Prometheus, and he has Oliver's son, and he blows the island up. It's just like this crazy, dramatic thing. And then, um, but come to find out, they're all okay. In season six, uh, Oliver must balance still being a vigilante, the mayor, and now he's being a full-time dad. So at the a- same time, new enemies emerge, obviously. Uh, initially, they're led by terrorist hacker Caden James, who allies themselves with various criminals, criminals including drug dealer Ricardo Diaz, which to me has been the worst bad guy so far, uh, metahuman vigilante Vincent Sobel, and Russian mobster Anatoly... can't even know what his last name is, but Anatoly was actually, had actually been a good character, and Black Siren, of course. Um... Yeah, I don't know. Caden James loses control over his, his group of thugs, and Ricardo Diaz comes to the forefront and kills him, revealing that he manipulated James into believing that Oliver killed his son and announcing to Green Arrow his scheme to take over Star City's criminal underworld and control the city's political infrastructure, all while Oliver must contend with his former teammates forming a rival team because they didn't like the way Oliver was running it, so they moved their own kind of little vigilante group. But as Diaz takes control of the city, Oliver is forced to recruit the aid of the FBI in exchange for him publicly announcing his identity and going to federal prison. In the finale, Oliver is uh, imprisoned in in a maximum security penitentiary. Yeah, he went to jail. And if you guessed, he's not married anymore. (laughs) Now, that would be a twist if he's like, now in season seven, Oliver has to balance being mayor, being in prison, being Green Arrow, and being a dad. Uh, Well, I don't know why. I I knew the show was ending. That's why I stuck with it. (laughs) 
So he's in prison. You would assume, what's the show going to be about? Maybe the side characters. And, but in season seven, five months after Oliver's imprisonment, Diaz has recruited these, these characters are pretty cool. Um, they're called the Longbow Hunters, which in the comic books, they're, oh man, the story arc's so good. This is a completely watered down version of it, but it's uh, Kodiak, Silencer, which is a newer character in the DC universe, not so much anymore, and Red Dart. Uh, for a new criminal agenda, including seeking revenge on Oliver's loved ones and allies. After Oliver is released from prison, taking down Diaz in the process, it was like this big thing where <laughs> Diaz was in the prison. He's like souped up on this kind of weird super drug that gives him super strength. Can't, can't get over his rage, breaks into prison, prison, Oliver beats him up, and they let him go. Ah, it's It was weird. It was really weird. Uh... But he and his former members of Team Arrow are now deputized and begin a working and begin working alongside the police. Another hooded archer, revealed later to be Oliver's half sister, Emiko Queen, emerges as the new Green Arrow, seemingly to fight crime on Oliver's behalf. Uh, yeah, and this is while he's in, is this while he's in prison? Yeah, I think while he's in prison, she's she's Green Arrow and she's like saving people. However. Emiko is revealed to, later to be the leader of the Ninth Circle, a terrorist group that launches several attacks upon Star City and is seeking to, to destroy Oliver's legacy as Green Arrow. Emiko kills Diaz, uh, so that's cool. That guy finally gets killed. He was a lame character. The season this time is different. It features flash forwards uh, 20 years into the future where uh, Oliver's son William is an adult and he tries to, or he goes and finds Roy Harper only in you, which is weird. I still haven't figured that out yet. Where they discover instructions left by facility, facility, <laughs> leading them back to Star City. They discover more secrets, including Oliver and Felicity's hidden daughter, Mia, while they work to save the city from another attack. So now you know, 20 years in the future, nothing changes. The city's still terrible. I don't know why anybody lives there. That fast forwards us to season eight. But before then, lots of things happen. They have this every year, every, yeah, every year that the show's been out, they've had crossovers with the other ones. So they've been leading up to these one, this one where Oliver basically makes a deal with this character called the Monitor to, uh, set, you know, basically sacrifice himself to save, I think, the Flash and Supergirl. Well, at the end of this season, that guy comes and collects and Oliver has to leave him and his currently uh, wife and his newborn baby. So, uh, yeah. And then he takes him away. So you're like, damn, he's gone. But then <laughs> season eight opens up and Oliver is back. So the season finales are just terrible. And this is what is going to be the last season of Arrow. I'm currently watching and I still have to catch up. I think I have to watch last week's episode. In season eight, Oliver and his allies are preparing for the impending crisis, which threatens the multiverse. Things get complicated when Oliver's children and Diggle's yet-to-be-adopted son, Connor Hawk, future their future selves, uh, time travel back to 2019, and that's where I that's where I left off. So, uh, yeah, Team Arrow learns about their possible futures, and uh, Oliver gets to meet his daughter. So that's kind of cool. John Diggle has this weird thing where his son's a, a bad guy and his adopted son is a, a you know super good guy. I, I, again, I never said the show was good, y'all. Uh, <laughs> I apologize. After going through these quick notes, I realize uh, it's maybe not that good <laughs> at all. Uh, but what do we got next? Next, we have Flash. These are going to get shorter as they go as I go through because I I haven't seen Batwoman at all. I watched like maybe one episode and it was not for me. So, uh, yeah. Hey, yeah, let's just get into Flash. <laughs> so, The Flash. The first season follows crime scene investigator Barry Allen. He gains superhuman speed after the explosion of Star Labs Particle Accelerator. He uses that super speed to fight crime and hunt other metahumans in Central City as the Flash. Um, yeah, that's that's a lot to take in. Barry pursues his mother's murderer, Eobard Thawne, eventually uncovering that his mentor, Harrison Wells, is Eobard in disguise. 
By the end of the season, Eobard's ancestor Eddie sacrificed himself to erase Eobard from existence, but opens up a singularity in the process. In the second season, the singularity brings speedster Zoom from a parallel universe who seeks to eliminate all other speedsters from the multiverse. After Zoom kills Barry's father, Barry defeats Zoom and travels back in time to save his mother's life. This this show is uh, is actually pretty good compared to all the drama that Arrow has. This one's a little bit more lighthearted, but it has it has some more uh, you know with the murder and everything. <laughs> I say it's lighthearted, but it, it has murder in it. So take that for what it is. Uh, in the third season, by changing path, by changing the past and going back and obviously saving his mother's life, he creates an alternate timeline called Flashpoint. Which don't get me started on this. Can't believe they did called it that. Flashpoint was such an amazing comic book story. If you haven't read Flashpoint, you don't read comic books. You don't like superheroes, and you are not a comic book fan. It's a great storyline. You, I strongly suggest it. Uh, if you don't, just go watch the animated DC animated movie Flashpoint. It's pretty close. Um, he's somewhat able to restore the timeline, but causes the emergence of a character called Savitar. He's a godlike speedster with a grudge against Barry. This Savitar was actually kind of cool. He looked cool, um, but it was the storyline was just kind of weird. Anytime, anything with time travel always ends up being pretty weird. So, uh, when Barry accidentally travels to the future and sees Iris West killed by Savitar, he becomes desperate to change the future to prevent it from happening, obviously. Uh, but he's, you know, after saving Iris and defeating Savitar, Barry takes his place in the Speed Force in order to repent for the creation of Flashpoint. So, then you find out, like, Savitar is this depressed, weird, emo Barry from the future... That it's just like some cycle that he creates, but then they break it, and uh, but Barry has to sacrifice himself to the uh, to the Speed Force. But just like in the Arrow, four season Team Flash successfully brings Barry back from the Speed Force. But in the process, they release Dark Matter, and they turn a dozen. They turn, yeah, I think it's just a dozen, a dozen people on a city bus into metahumans, masterminded by Clifford Devoe, who for me was one of the best bad guys in these shows because as Barry usually fights speedsters in the first three seasons, this guy was just a super smart dude who he had the fastest mind, I guess, and um, it, just like Prometheus in the Arrow in the Arrow show. This guy was always 10 steps ahead of uh, the Flash and all his uh, teammates. But after they defeat him, which they obviously do, the team is approached by Barry and Iris' daughter from the future, Nora West Allen. Which, yeah, I don't know. I was This whole season, I was just like, meh. <laughs> but it, it at the end, it kind of... I was like, oh, damn, that kind of sucks. And Wally. Wally's a character in the show, Wally West. It's Iris' brother, he was great in the first couple, well, the first two seasons, three seasons that he was in, but then he just kind of faded out. He joined uh, Legends of Tomorrow, but uh, I think that guy just wants to go do his own thing, which is cool. I, I hope to see him in crisis. During the fifth season, the, the team discovers that Nora's presence has altered the timeline and unleashed Cicada, a serial killer bent on killing metahumans. They eventually learn of her allegiance with Eobard, because... It's like this weird thing where Eobard, her, Eobard helps her go back in time. Uh, he orchestrated Nora's arrival and Cicada. And it's all some elaborate themes for so Eobard can, you know, be released because he's about to get killed. For, like, he's in jail in the future and they're about to kill him. And he gets out. Um, yeah, it's, it's weird. Barry and Nora succeed in uh, subduing Eobard, though, but they're forced to let him go, and Nora is erased from the timeline. So sad. She dies. It's, it was kind of, I was like, damn, that sucks. They did a lot of character development for this character, and then just, like, vanished. <laughs> in the sixth season, which we're on now, I believe, Barry and Iris learn that the date of the crisis in which Barry disappears has moved up to December 2019, which is this month. Um... Yeah, and that in order to save billions, the Flash must die. So, uh, yeah. Meanwhile, Ramsey Russo has discovered a way to cure people through dark matter, only to turn himself into a metahuman with a violent bloodthirst. I'm not completely caught up on this season. I apologize. I should have more. I, I plan on spending the rest of the week uh, catching up. So, that's where we're at on the Flash. 
I, obviously, these are getting way less <laughs> than the long ass arrow. Uh, the arrow's just, there's too much in there to talk about. And there's a lot that I've left out in, in this flash one. But as the time went pretty heavy on the first one, I, I kind of want to scale it back because we still have three more shows to talk about. And with that being said, let's jump right into Supergirl. So Kara Zor-El was sent to Earth from Krypton as a 13-year-old by her parents Zor-El and Alora. Krypton was exploding and Kara's pre- uh, parents sent Kara in a spacecraft to Earth after her cousin, which we know, spoiler alert, is Superman. Kara was meant to protect her infant cousin Kal-El, but her spacecraft was knocked off course and forced into the Phantom Zone, where it stayed for 24 years. By the time the spacecraft crashed, uh, landed on Earth, crashed, landed, crash landed on Earth. Kal-El obviously was grown up, and he became Superman. Was grown up, had grown up, <laughs> and uh, became Superman. The series begins 11 years later when the now 24-year-old Kara is learning to embrace her powers as the, and has adopted the superheroic alias Supergirl. So that's where we're at with Supergirl. That's not it. That's not the whole <laughs> summary. That's just kind of a backdrop. I should have did that for The Flash, but that's The Flash. Everybody knows what The Flash is. In the first season, Kara is forced to reveal her powers and becomes... National City? Is that what it's called? National City's Protector. And Kara discovers that hundreds of criminals her mother has impri- that her mother imprisoned are hiding on Earth, including her aunt Astra and Astra's husband Nan. Kara works with her adopted sister Alex Danvers to fight these criminals alongside the Green Martian John Jones. Her cousin and her cousin's friend J- James Olsen and tech genius wins shot. I think shots his name, which is really weird because Jimmy Olsen is like this white redhead nerd, uh, just super lame character. But in this, he's like this big buff black dude. And uh, John Jones is cool though. Green Green Martian. I'm glad they put him in there. Yeah. So the second, the first season is just her basically fighting those weird villains that were captured on Krypton a long time ago. It's like some ship that crash landed on. Earth. I don't know why everything crash lands on Earth. There's so many other planets out there. Uh, but yeah, she's basically just embracing Supergirl. It's kind of like an origin season. Uh, the second season, Kara and her allies deal with feuds between Earth's native populace and extra, in the extra ter- extraterrestrial community. And there's this super shadowy, sketchy uh, organization called Project Catamist, which is masterminded by Lillian Luthor, who that name sounds familiar. She happens to be the mother of Lex Luthor. At the same time, Kara befriends Lillian's stepdaughter, Lena Luther, who is now the CEO of Luther Corp, and struggles with romantic feelings uh, for this character that came in. His name's Monel. Uh, yeah, he's the he's a princely survivor from Krypton's neighboring neighboring planet, Daxum, uh, whose parents are still alive. It's like Kevin Sorbo's his dad and uh, Terry Hatcher, who played. Uh, what, who she play? She played. No, I don't. I know who she played. It's just on too much time. She played Lois in Lois and Clark, the old show. So it's weird. Kevin Sorbo is cool, but he's like old. <laughs> so, but they want him to reclaim his throne. He just wants to hang out on Earth with Supergirl. It's, again, this is soap opera. They're all soap opery. Soap opery. Um. Yeah, Jimmy. He goes by James in this. <laughs> James becomes a masked. The Mass Street Fighting Vigilante Guardian, which is cool that they put Guardian there. It's kind of lame that they made it Jimmy Olsen. Um, Alex begins dating this detective named Maggie Sawyer and uh, McGann. Oh, McGann. It's, uh, what's her name? Miss Martian. She's in the show and she becomes friends with John. But come to find out she's a white Martian, which we knew from the comic books. And the white Martians are the ones that enslaved his race. So he has to kind of get over that. What will he do? It, it was it was good. It was okay. Supergirl was okay. A lot of people didn't like it. But, you know, take it with a grain of salt. You know what you're getting. After watching The Arrow and The Flash, you know what you're getting when you watch Supergirl. You got it out. In the third season, oh yeah, Mono dies. Or he gets trapped in the future. Or something. <laughs> A 
like that. Uh, in the third season, Kara struggles with the loss of Monel after that's what it is. They release this uh, to get rid of his mom because his mom's evil. They release this thing that uh, Daxam Daxamites that can't breathe the air. So Monel has to leave. He didn't die. But he, she struggles with the loss of Monel after he's forced to leave Earth. When Monel returns, because he comes back, as they always do in the next season, he reveals that he has time traveled to the 31st century and founded the Legion, which is the Legion of Superheroes. Great, great story. Uh, alongside with marrying Irma Ardeen. So he's married now. He came, he comes back and he's married. He's like a legit superhero in the future and uh, he can't be with Kara. Aww. <laughs> um, John discovers that his dad's alive. Mirren Johns. And Alex has to deal with the heartbreak after breaking up with Maggie. Just, just sad. This is just a tearjerker, guys. Um, yeah, no. San Kara and Alex's new friend Samantha Arias is unknowingly another Kryptonian survivor. And then she begun she begins to transform from loving mother to world killing weapon known as Rain, which this was kind of cool. It was like some weird coven of like creepy Kryptonians that made this. She was just like a normal lady. She has a daughter. She just becomes this evil, super negative supergirl, pretty much. It was okay. It ends up okay. She goes back to her daughter. Spoiler alert. <laughs> In the fourth season, which I think we're on right now, and again, I'm not caught up on this either, so apologies ahead of time. Oh, no. I did watch. Pretty sure. Lex Luthor was in... No, Lex Luthor was in the fourth season. Maybe we're on the fifth season, which I haven't watched at all then. Yeeks. Sorry, guys. Um, in the fourth season, Kara deals with a new wave of anti-extraterrestrial prejudice secretly instigated by Lex Luthor. He's played by... Um, dang, what's that dude's name? He was really good. Surprisingly good as Lex Luthor. Dude, this is going to come to me any minute now. Yeah, nope. Can't think of his name right now. Sorry, folks. If you know it, hit me up. I'm going to remember as soon as I get off of this. Oh, well. <laughs> but Lex Luthor's in it. He's, uh, he's in prison, but he's forcing basically like a civil and political rights, like just this big movement. Uh, ben Lockwood, a former college professor who has so suffered a series of personal tragedies at the hands of extraterrestrials, forms a human first group called Children of Liberty. Children of Liberty to end all aliens. Meanwhile, in the nation of Kaznia, a clone of Kara dubbed uh, Red Daughter is trained by its military to fight Supergirl at Lex's request. Lex. I'm Lex. Lex Luthor's making a bad name for Lexus. Um, Kara and Alex rival uh, with the DEO's new addition, Colonel Lauren Haley, who was sent to monitor DEO's progress under Alex's direction. Yeah, I don't remember this. Colonel Haley and, pre and the president try to force Supergirl to reveal her identity and clash when her and Alex decide when she refuses. They clash with them. I don't remember that. I remember... Uh, well, I apologize, guys. Um, uh, Lex Luthor dies at the end of it. So she beats... She ends up beating the Red Daughter. Um, yeah, she beats the Red Daughter, the evil clone. And then she fights Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor has his super armor on. She beats him. He goes to jail. And then he dies. Like his sister kills him or something like that. But he also reveals to her that uh, Supergirl is Kara. So they've been lying to her the whole time. So then she kind of sends her on this spiral of being evil. Again, I haven't seen any of this new season. I apologize. I should be watching it. I'm going to watch it as soon as I get off this tonight. So, uh, yeah. But, you know what's cool about Supergirl? It was on CBS. And I guess it didn't do very well. But then the CW picked it up. And then they tied it with all these other universes. So, that's pretty cool that they... You know, I like it when these shows get picked up and given, get another chance. So, um, yeah. But, but as Lex Luthor dies, the Monitor, which is the character that's a, a, a main factor in this uh, crisis storyline comes and saves him so i'm sure lex luther's gonna play a part and john crier is who played lex luther i'm all over the folks so i'm all over the place folks obviously that arrow recap just took it all out of me man 
just the emotional roller coaster. <laughs> That's it for Supergirl. If you watch season five, hit me up. Let me know what you think of it. I, I need to. I'm going to do it tonight. That's a promise. Uh, yeah, that's all I got for Supergirl. Let's move on to Legends of Tomorrow, which is a fun one. Legends of Tomorrow. Rip Hunter, a member of the Time Masters, which is an organization tasked with protect protecting the timeline, he goes rogue after Vandal Savage murders his family. Intending to stop Savage, Hunter recruits a team consisting of Ray Palmer from the Arrow, Sarah Lance, uh, well, Ray Palmer's the Adam, and he's from the Arrow show. Sarah Lance is all, also from the Arrow show. He's, she plays White Canary. Martin Stein and Jefferson Jackson are from Flash, I believe, and they together form Firestorm. Kendra Saunders was cameoed in Flash, as well as Carter Hall, their Hawk Man and Hawk Girl. Leonard Snart is Captain Cold, and Mick Rory is Heatwave. They're also from The Flash. So he takes these characters that were kind of like side characters in these shows and makes them main characters in this show, which is pretty cool. And this, again, is one of those things that it uh, features a lot of side characters. So it's cool. Um, I enjoyed this one. It's, it's a little bit more silly. And that's saying a lot because all these shows are silly. So after discovering that the Time Masters were backing Savage, they destroy them all. And they lose Snart and Rip Hunter in the process. That gets us into Season 2 already. Season 2, uh, with the Time Masters defeated, the team guard the timeline themselves. They also deal with you know Rip's disappearance. They cope with it. They think he's dead. However, they are plagued by the Legion of Doom, which I don't like that they use that name, but whatever. The Legion of Doom consists of Eobarthon. He's a reverse flash. They also have Damian Dark and Malcolm Merlin. So, and Leonard Snart. Uh, I guess he's bad in this. I don't remember that. But they're going to find the biblical Spear of Destiny. And then they could alter their fates because they all die. So, uh, the team is joined by the Justice Society of America. So, that's pretty cool. And uh, Vixen... She joins the team, and Nate Haywood, who's a modern-day historian, he becomes Steel. He joins the team as too. He joins the team as well, and he requires the ability to become solid metal, but like still move, not like solid metal. Just becomes a statue. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> lots of stuff happened. They beat the Legion of Doom. You'll have to forgive me because this show and Batwoman. I watched the first season of this show, kind of fell off in the second season, and I, I didn't really watch the third season. Maybe watched a few episodes. Um, Batwoman, I haven't watched any of it. So <laughs> the rest of this episode is going to be pretty short. Season three, the team discovers that they created anachronisms, which is probably a made-up word, <laughs> throughout time after beating the Legion. And uh, Rip has formed... Rip's back. He comes back. They find him in the past or something like that in season two. And he lost his memory, but then he gains it back, obviously. He forms this thing called the Time Bureau, and it kind of takes the spot of the Time Masters. They they go and fix some of these hiccups in the timeline. So um, he informs them that Nora Dark has resurrected her father Damien, which is cool because he's a good bad guy, um, as well as recruited Amaya's villainous granddaughter Kakusa and enemy of Flash Gorilla Grodd. Uh, and they want to delete. They want to release this demon mouse. You can obviously, if you can't tell by now, this is why I fell off. It was a little over the top. <laughs> the team loses Firestorm, but they're joined by uh, Zari Tomas, who is a hacktivist from 2042 who wields an air conditioning, <laughs> an air controlling amulet. An air conditioning amulet would be way lamer. <laughs> Wally West, the guy that I was talking about from Flash, uh, he also joins. So that's pretty cool. They use that character. He actually gets a little bit more love. <clears throat> Time Bureau agent and later direct director Ava Sharp also starts working closely with the team, entering a relationship with Sarah Lance. Bounce chicka wow wow, getting it on. <laughs> they defeat Malice. Uh, Amaya returns home to Zombesi, and Wally leaves to go do what Wally wants to do. Uh, season four. The the cool character, he's a, an occult detective. John Constantine joins the team, which is cool because he had a show, but it got canceled. 
And he they're hunting down magical fugitives that have been scattered throughout the timeline following the team's battle with that character Malice. Along the way, they eventually discover that the events surrounding the creatures have been orchestrated by the demon Neron, who Constantine has faced before, I believe. The legends, uh, they're joined by this weird shapeshifter Charlie, who becomes stuck in Amaya's physical form after losing her powers, and Amona Wu, who has the ability to turn into uh, Kaup, Kaup, which, if you don't know, Kaup is a malevolent malevolent spirit from Hawaii that calls upon that calls out to people in the night to lure them to their deaths. <laughs> so yeah, I, I didn't watch the fourth season. This is just what I got off of uh, the internet. So uh, yeah, watch it. I'm gonna try to re- rewatch it or watch it for the first time. Uh, it gets a little zany, uh, but yeah, it was. I mean, it's good enough. This is just what you need to know, folks. Now, this is one that I'm not too familiar with because I haven't watched all but like maybe 20 minutes of an episode. And But I, it could be good. I need to sit down and watch it all the way through and just kind of grind my teeth through it if I don't like it. Just because. Just for the sake of the show. Uh, but Batwoman follows Kate Kane. Uh, it's based off the comic book character, obviously. But in this one, she's the cousin of Batman. I don't know if she's in the comic book if she's the cousin of Batman. That's... I gotta look that up. But she's overcoming her demons and past to become Gotham's new symbol of hope uh, as the bat- vigilante Batwoman. So Batman is disappeared. He just bounced. He said, you know what? I'm tired of this. I don't want to do this anymore. So it's basically three years after billionaire philanthropist Bruce Wayne and his vigilante alter ego Batman disappeared. His cousin, Kate Kane, sets out to overcome her demons again and become the symbol of hope, protecting the streets of Gotham City. I don't know much about it. I know uh, Ruby Rose, very attractive lady, plays Kate Kane. Uh, she's helped instead of Alfred. I don't. I don't think Alfred's in it. She's helped by Luke Fox. He's kind of the the eye in the sky for her. It's Lucius Fox's son, I believe. Um, the villain that I've seen is. Beth Kane, Kate's presumed dead sister, and she's the leader of this Wonderland gang. Uh, so yeah, I, again, I need to watch it. I, I am disappointed I don't have more information on it. I think it's one season out so far, only eight episodes, so I could knock it out before before I watch Crisis because she is in it. She, I think she's the main character. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Uh, Again, if you've watched it, if you've seen any of it, let me know. But that's all I really have of it so far. So let's just talk about what we know about Crisis on Infinite Earths that come out December 8th this weekend. (laughs) Crisis on Infinite Earths is the upcoming 6th annual Arrowverse crossover event which was really hard to say. It features episodes uh, from Supergirl, Batwoman, The Flash, Arrow, and Legends of Tomorrow. The Supergirl, Batwoman, and Flash episodes will uh, air December 2019, while Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow episodes will air January 2020. Additionally, the events in Black Lightning's episode, The Book of Resistance, Chapter 4, I think it's Third Stone from the Sun, will come on between Batwoman and The Flash. It also will tie into the event uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, which is inspired by the comic book of the same name, just like the Elseworlds story or the Flashpoint story. It's obviously going to be a watered-down version of these huge comic book epics, but uh, there's been a lot of buzz since the summertime about this big event, so I hope it doesn't disappoint. Uh, it continues plot lines established over the previous crossover Elseworlds. Additionally, the preceding episodes of The Arrow Season 8 and much of Flash Season 6 have served to prelude to the crossover. In Crisis uh, on Infinite Earth, the Monitor gathers Arrow, The Flash, Supergirl, Batwoman, The Legends, and seven heroes from throughout the multiverse to stop the Anti-Monitor from destroying all reality. So, they... uh, 
right at the beginning of Flash, I think the first, the pilot episode of Flash in 2014, they hint at this big crisis because there's this newspaper that says Flash disappears in the future, which we talked about a little bit earlier. Um, but mainly the storyline started forming in Elseworlds last year's crossover. Um, and they announced it at the end of Elseworlds, like right after the... Because it was like a crossover with Batwoman, and at the very end of it, they said the story continues in Crisis on Infinite Earths. And that was in December 2018, so last year. And mid-2019, mid multiple castings were reviewed, including actors who had previously portrayed DC characters in other media, such as Burt Ward, who played the old 66, 1966 Batman uh, show, He Was Robin. And Kevin Conroy, who played probably the most famous Batman voice in the animated series and in the Arkham games, um, they're going to appear in the crossover. Crisis of Infinite Earths will also see cast members from uh, fellow CW series, Black Lightning, and it's going to cross over, that's going to cross over the Arrowverse for the first time, along with actors reprising their roles from the former WB slash CW series Smallville, Smallville and Birds of Prey. Filming took place at the end of September until the beginning of November, which is pretty cool that they did it that close to it coming out. Try, I guess, to keep people from finding any spoilers online. I don't know, but this is what this is kind of the prelude to it. To prepare for the coming crisis, the Monitor recruits Oliver Queen to help him traverse and warn the multiverse. He brings John Jones' brother's brother, uh, Malefic to Earth-38 and retrieves the dead body of Lex Luthor. Barry and Iris West Allen learn that the crisis date has moved up to, you know, we talked about this signal, December 19th, in order to save billions, Flash must die, blah, blah, blah. Um, Barry travels to Earth-3 to see Jay Garrick and Joan Williams, who have been tracking the antimatter appearing across the multiverse. They send Barry's mind forward in time, causing him to see, bil <laughs> to see billions of timelines where the multiverse is destroyed and the one where he dies saving it. Uh, meanwhile, the Monitor sends Oliver to Earth-2 to retrieve dwarf star particles, where he witnesses the destruction of Earth-2 from the antimatter wave. Uh, he returns to Earth-1, which is the main, I guess, the main universe, and the, mo the Monitor diverts him to Hong Kong to retrieve the biophysicist Robert Wong, who has recreated the Alpha Omega virus. Uh, Wong is placed in Argus custody. That gets summed up pretty quick. All these episodes are like summed up pretty quick. Lead in the Arrow show. Um, we mentioned a lot of this before. Uh, back in Star City, William Clayton, Connor Hawk, and Mia Smoke mysteriously time travel from 2040 to the present. Oliver and John Diggle eventually learn that Lila Michaels has been working with the Monitor. The Monitor places Oliver and Laurel. Laurel Lance in a shared time loop, allowing Laurel to properly say goodbye to Quentin Lance and Oliver to accept that he cannot change his fate in the crisis. Out of the loop, the duo finds themselves on Lee and Yu with Diggle, William, Connor, and Mia for their final mission. Um, the Monitor visits Earth 38, like I said, to contact John and telling him he has passed his test after having saved Malefic. And is, and is ready for the crisis. Back in his realm, he, noti he notifies and now revived Lex that his mind is needed for the coming crisis, which he asks in return for a favor that involves his sister. Nash Wells, a doppelganger of Harrison Wells, is sucked into the Monitor's chamber under Central City after being promised a new life. So this is uh, it's a, it's a lot of nerd stuff. <laughs> It's a lot of nerd stuff. Um, so like I said, in May 2019, all the finales kind of tease something for the upcoming crossover. Uh, the Monitor makes an appearance in all the episodes except for The Flash. Um, yeah. They've been, I mean, lots of, you know, what's his, the Tom Welling from Smallville is going to be in it. I got, like I said, the chick from Birds of Prey. Burt Ward, Kevin Conroy. There's just so many actors. And then a lot of things that we don't really know about it, you know? So I'm pretty excited about it. You know, there's apparently seven characters. There's some characters that we don't know about. It'd be cool if old school Lex Luthor was in there from Smallville, but apparently he uh, they notified him too low, too late. And so he won't. But John Cryer will be reprising his role. And 
Stephen Amell is obviously, I think he's playing multiple versions of Oliver Queen, which he always does. <laughs> Tom Cavanaugh, who plays Harrison Wells and all those characters, is portraying a character called Pariah. Um, Earbart Thawne's going to be in it. Let's see, who else have I heard about? The chick that played Lois Lane, Elizabeth Tulich, is going to be in it. Uh, Tyler Hoechlin, who played Superman, he's going to be in it. Uh, I'm just really excited about it. The guy that played Jonah Hex is going to be in it. Um, I mean, I'm really excited about it. So, if you have any information that I missed about the upcoming show, um, let me know. Hit me up. Let me know if you're excited for it, what you think. That's all I really have for this episode, guys. Uh, it seems like it seemed like a lot, but it was just—it was really just the arrow. We're gonna blame it on the arrow. And yeah, that's all I got. So, if you have any questions, we're going into the final weeks of the new year. We're gonna start the first uh, episode of the new year off with a. Uh, 20 questions. We're in 2020, 20 questions. We still have a few spots left open, so if you hit us up, uh, yeah, your question will be aired, and we'll answer it, and we'll have a lot of fun. I can't wait to hear the rest of the questions. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Well, again, let me know what you think uh, afterwards, after this comes out, whether it's something about Black Widow, something about you know the upcoming crisis, Yeah, just hit us up. Anything you want to see on the show, let us know. And uh, we will see you guys next time. Hey guys, I wanted to take another quick second and say thank you for stopping by and listening to me and Murph's nonsense. If you really want to support the podcast, take a screenshot of this episode right now and post it on your story. Tag us and we'll repost it. See you guys next week.